When I say the word Iranian, what image comes to your mind? A lot of Westerners assume an Iranian is an angry militant shouting death to America. But Dr. Mike Ansari wants to shatter that stereotype. An average Iranian, which is roughly about 70%, 70 plus percent of Iran's population, they love everybody. They love the West. They love Americans. They love uh, people of Israel. And they're peacemaking, fun-loving people that just, you go to their door, you knock on their door. If you're from America, from Israel, from anywhere, they would open up the door, bring you in, and feed you all they have. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in our studio today in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, with Dr. Mike Ansari. Dr. Mike has been with us before here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. He is with Heart for Iran, as well as Mohabat TV. Dr. Mike Ansari, welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. It's good to be here. Let's talk about Christians in prison right now in Iran. How many are there? I think there is more than we can count. We don't have an accurate number, but we do know that uh, in 2018, there was uh, an increase in the raids of underground churches inside the country of Iran, and majority of the people that have been involved in the raids have been arrested. What does a Christian go through in the process of being arrested, interrogated, locked in prison? Well, they usually, first of all, most of them are arrested through raids of the house churches. These are underground church settings at people's homes. And uh, usually during the raid, people are beaten, they're detained. Half the time, none of their relatives know where their loved ones are, uh, even for months at a time. And through the process, it varies. But for majority of people, uh, after being detained, they're taken uh, to prisons uh, where they are interrogated. And then they appear before a judge to see what their sentence is. Most of them uh, have to sign waivers that they would never, ever uh, go back to uh, Christianity, that they recant their, their new faith of Christianity, and they are good Muslims. Some are beaten and imprisoned. A uh, good number of them are given false charge of undermining Iranian security. That's extremely common. And, and the number of them uh, that are more active, that are, that are leaders, um, usually end up serving longer sentences of, of prison in Iranian jails. And I want to ask a question that is kind of an uncomfortable question, but but how often is sexual assault, sexual abuse part of that interrogation, arrest, imprisonment process, especially for our Christian sisters in Iran? Uh, the human rights violations in Iran is, is extremely high. And that's not just towards the Iranian Christian minorities, also through, we see that uh, against Baha'is and, and Jews and other minorities and the Sunni minority in Iran as well. However, um, usually when um, what happens is some of the females are subject to sexual harassment, abuse, and rape. For example, in one case, we spoke to the lady uh, and she mentioned that uh, she was approached and she was told by the guard, if you don't recant your new faith as a Christian and go back to Islam, the life of your family and your siblings is going to be in danger. And would you be willing to recant? And she says, yes, I recant. He said, well, to seal that, then you need to be my wife. 
and this way you'll be able to follow the the commands of of the of Muhammad and and the Quran. Would you be my wife? And she she was afraid. She said, "Of course, I'll be your wife." He married her while she was uh, in jail and had sexual relationships with her. And then after a while, uh, you know, she was released. But uh, she was one of the many women that was subject to that kind of a treatment by that particular individual. So unfortunately, it is a reality. The prison system in Iran has multiple violations of human rights across the board, and sexual harassment happens to be one of them. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dr. Mike Ansari. He is with Heart for Iran and Mohabat TV. Uh, Dr. Mike has been our guest before and actually shared a little bit of his personal testimony, how he came to faith in Christ. So I would encourage you to go to vomradio.net. You can look that up and listen to that. Uh, I would also encourage you, we've had some other guests from Iran, and I think of one in particular, and we called him Brother Ali. Uh, He talked about having the conversation with his wife about what will happen when they arrest you and what could happen. And they literally sat down as husband and wife and talked through, you You could face assault. How are we going to respond to that? And I thought, what a what a horrific conversation to have with your wife. And it uh, just it, even talking about it now, it kind of grabs a hold of my heart. I hope this will help people pray for Christians in Iran. Mike, the charge that's often leveled against Christians is acting against national security. Now, these Christians are, are not spies. They don't hate their country. They don't hate their government. Why is being a Christian acting against national security? I think there are multiple reasons. Currently, what's going on is there is a, there's a war between Iran and the West, and it all has to do with uh, Iranian finances being, uh, you know, being in such a bad shape. Uh, the charges of Iran being involved in enriching uh, uranium for nuclear uh, devices as well. So Iran right now is under intense pressure from the West. Uh, and Iran wants to basically say, look, we're not the bad people here. It's the Western plot that is undermining us. And here you go, there is, a, there is evidence that the spies are infiltrating Iranian communities and they're forcing people to become Christian. Uh, this is a plot from the West to undermine and weaken the Iranian Islamic institution. And unfortunately, the, the scapegoats for this are the, the larger growing number of Iranian Muslims that are becoming Christian. They're caught in this, in this conflict and they're being subject to persecution and, and, and imprisonment and, and violations of human rights. But there's precedence about that before as well, but not to this extent. And in the minds of the average Iranian person, Christianity is a Western religion or an American religion. So if you're a Christian, you're naturally more sympathetic to America. Is that an accurate way of of saying? Well, you would think that that would be really, really accurate. But what we're hearing from inside Iran is a bit different, Todd. And that is a lot of uh, Iranians are realizing that before their country was an Islamic country, they had a Christian heritage. A thousand years before, uh, you know, the church existed in Rome and the Vatican existed, the, the church, the early Christian church, was thriving in Middle East, in Iran, in Syria, in Iraq, in Palestine. They sent missionaries to, to Japan, to China. So um, there is an organic reemergence of appetite of of what is my heritage, what is my identity prior to Islam, because Islam successfully eradicated Christianity 
from majority of the Muslim world today. So we had a gentleman named Javad from the Kurdish part of Iran contact us and said, you know, I've, I've been baffled. My mom, my grandma, every time she bakes, she puts a cross in her bread. And I asked her, I said, Grandma, what is the deal with this? And she said, well, this is an ancestral habit. We've all been doing this. My mom, my grandma, my <laughs> grandma I, before. I don't know why anymore, but we've just always done it that exactly. way. Exactly. And she said, Grandma said, I think all of my ancestors were Christian at some time. Wow. So there is a historic movement, if you would, of Iranian youth doing more studies and saying, look, my identity is not in Islam uh, because Islamic uh, fabric is interwoven with the culture and society and everything else. And they're saying, tell me more about this. I want to know about Jesus. And it's interesting to me, and we've heard this from other guests as well, that the average Iranian recognized that Islam doesn't work, that you know they've seen it in their government for 40 years now, and they say, wait a minute, this doesn't work. So it's interesting now that they're digging back before Islam. What was before Islam? Maybe that works. That's right. I remember this, that Iranians, despite all the negative things that we hear in Western media, you know, chanting death to America and Israel, an average Iranian, which is roughly about 70 percent, 70 plus percent of Iran's population, they love everybody. They love the West. They love Americans. They love uh, people of Israel. And they're peacemaking, fun-loving people that just, you go to their door, you knock on their door. If you're from America, from Israel, from anywhere, they would open up the door, bring you in, and feed you all they have. Feed you some amazing food. So the, the gift of hospitality in that part of the world we talked about the fact that that they are seen as a threat and and I want to bring out that that's not just sort of behind the scenes or sort of hush hush the leader of the intelligence service in Iran has actively said the Christians are the biggest threat that we're facing. That's right. Mr. Alavi, who's a new intelligence minister in Iran, has a history of human rights violations prior to his election a few months back. And unfortunately, um, he has uh, waged a public war against uh, Muslims who are becoming Christian, which is uh, increasing in across, across Iran. In one incident, when he was talking, he said, well, these are blue-collar people, sandwich makers that don't know any better. And, you know, they're becoming Christian. And when I asked them, why are you becoming Christian? They're saying, well, there's so much inner fighting among the Islamic scholars in our country, you know, and I don't know which one to follow. I just end up following Christianity. So he kind of tried to downplay it. But the reality is, if you take, take a look at the, the true meaning of what he's saying is, they realized that Christianity is on a rise in Iran, people becoming Christian, and it is a, a threat to their institution. And it's also interesting to me that they see the conflict in Islam. They see the back and forth and the we don't agree and the Sunni and the Shia and say, wait a minute, maybe there's something out there that doesn't involve quite as much conflict and anger. There's something, you know, we talked about the intelligence service, but, but there's something a little different about the judiciary in Iran than there would be in other countries. If you want to be a judge in Iran, you don't necessarily go to law school. You go to Islamic school. Why is that significant as it relates to our Christian brothers and sisters? Iran enjoys a constitution that on paper offers religious freedom. On paper. On paper. <laughs> Important. Uh, however, Iran being an Islamic government, Islamic republic, it is truly ruled through Islamic laws that is interpreted through the Shiite elite. And, and as, as a result, uh, when the Shiite uh, judge uh, who's educated in Gom Seminary is, is given a, 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 you know, a position to be a judge uh, in the judiciary, it is up to their personal interpretation of how to deal with the infidel. 
so the charges for, let's say, for an average John Doe who may have been a Muslim that has become a Christian and has a house church may differ from city to city depending on, on the judiciary or the judge that is residing over the, uh, the court. Uh, and uh, So each individual judge has a lot of autonomy in how they enforce what they perceive to be the law. That is accurate. Wow. And many of them go back to Ayatollah Khomeini, the founder of Iranian Revolution's verdict that, uh, you know, he was very much against that Ayatollah Khomeini uh, a few years ago uh, also publicly besieged the, the Islamic government to fight the Christians, uh, the Christian movement in, in Iran. And now Mr. Alavi being so vocal publicly about uh, marginalizing the Christian movement inside Iran. They're very alarming. How is Heart for Iran, how is Mohabbat reaching into Iran and sharing the gospel? And I know there's there's parts of the answer to this question that we're not allowed to broadcast, but, but what are the things you can talk about publicly that Mohabbat is doing? Well, Mohabbat is a media arm of Heart for Iran. Heart for Iran is a partnership of over 100 ministries. We engage the audience through satellite TV, through social media. Then we take the engagement and we bring the people through a process-driven system that brings them from interest to influence. Roughly takes about three years to bring a John Doe from the time that they pray to receive Jesus as their personal savior to the time that they want to start launching a house church in the country of Iran. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dr. Mike Ansari from Heart for Iran and Mohabbat TV. Dr. Mike, you shared a story in our chapel service this morning about how you got started doing ministry into Iran, and Voice of the Martyrs played a part in that. And I, I want you to share that story. And as I mentioned to you beforehand, I don't want this necessarily to be a big advertisement for VOM, but I want our listeners to understand how VOM works to reach into a country like Iran. So talk a little bit about Farsi praise. So to, let's put this in perspective. I was born in Iran as a Muslim, and I came to know the, the Lord Jesus through a dream that my mother had. Uh, a few years after that, God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to launch a ministry called Farsi Praise, teaching people in Iran how to worship and praise. And um, I walked in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Meanwhile, I was just a young little kid who had just <laughs> was doing something for the Lord, and I had no idea what I was doing, Todd. And Sometimes that's the best way, though. <laughs> that's exactly say. right. But if you walk in obedience to God and you're, you really walk that walk and carry the cross, God empowers and encourages you. And that's exactly what happened. One day I was sitting down and I was saying, God, I, I need a few thousand dollars to be able to launch a website that would bring these uh, much-needed worship resources into the country of Iran. Uh, but nobody ever took this young kid serious. I was just sitting there and praying, God, I have, I've launched this ministry, and nobody's taking me serious, nobody has come to me. It wasn't a lack of uh, uh, trying by my side to ask people for help. One day I came across a young man working for Voice of the Martyrs named Cole, and Cole is currently the, the president of Voice of the Martyrs, but this is back about 15, 20 years ago. And Cole sat next to me and said, tell me about your dream. How can I make your dreams come to success for the kingdom of God? And, and I shared with him the, the vision that I had. We, we connected. It was a, there was a heart connection. About a month and a half later, a month later, I got a check from Voice of the Martyrs for $6,000 to launch that website. When that came to me, I knew that it was in a relationship of accountability to the Voice of the Martyrs. And it wasn't just uh, Voice of the Martyrs giving me a check and saying, here, you'll take the money, goodbye. 
Cole stood next to me. Voice of the Martyrs stood next to me and helped this young kid that had a zeal and a calling in his life but didn't know what to do with it to, to grow up and get on my feet. And slowly but surely, that ministry ended up becoming a ministry that, that started ministering to Iranians. So I do want to thank uh, Voice of the Martyrs for the vision that they've had. And they, they stand not next to the bigger ministries, but individuals that have a calling on their hearts to, to serve the persecuted, to serve the marginalized. I saw that. And now what I do, Todd, is I try to keep that legacy going. So when I see individuals that used to be me 15 years ago, 20 years ago, <laughs> I try to stand next to them and, and bless them. After all, Richard uh, uh, Warmbrand, he mentioned the same thing. He said, people that are persecuted understand the persecuted as well. And, you know, we, we really owe it to each other to stand next to each other. Well, again, I don't want this to seem like an advertisement for Voice of the Martyrs, but I want people to understand that. Some of our listeners are donors. They donate to the work of Voice of the Martyrs. And so uh, that story really illustrates how we work. It wasn't a VOM staff person who was doing this Farsi praise and building a website. It was an Iranian Christian with a heart to reach back into Iran. VOM didn't say, okay, we'll build the website. We said, no, this is your vision. We just want to empower you to do that. And so I just, I wanted you to tell that story to give people a kind of a taste because that's how we work in Iran. That's how we work in 70 plus countries is through partnerships with people who have a passion for getting the gospel into that country. Mike, we talked about prisoners earlier, and I want to ask a question, and I want to be careful because obviously there's some security concerns, but there's a prisoner in prison in Iran right now for distributing Bibles that Voice of the Martyrs bought. You helped us connect with this person. We provided the Bibles. You provided the connection. They provided the manpower to get the Bibles into the hands of Christians who needed them. You and I are sitting comfortably right here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. They're sitting in a jail cell. How do you personally process that, the fact that the work you're doing, you know, is going to put people in danger? It's going to put people in prison. How do you think about that? How do you pray about that? Todd, there is a bittersweet uh, experience. You definitely do not want to put anybody in danger. But you've got to realize that these individuals that have just become Christian, they're on fire for Jesus. And half the time, they're just out there proclaiming the gospel to everybody. This particular individual happened to be one of them who was and still is on fire for Jesus, even while she's incarcerated. And uh, she helped with distribution of Bibles that was funded by Voice of the Martyrs to be sent into the country. Many people came to know about Jesus through her, and now she's serving a sentence. There is a joy in her heart. Even now that she's serving, she still uh, has uh, sent messages indirectly to us that I don't regret anything. Wow. There is a joy in my heart, and if I could do it again, I would do it. In fact, in prison, she's evangelizing to others as well. She's careful, but she's doing it. So how do we process that? It's extremely difficult. The Bible, the Bible does talk about suffering and persecution. It has been a part of the Christian culture and fabric since day one. And ironically, as, uh, as it would be for us to process, when there is persecution, the church grows. 2018 happened to be a very, very challenging year for the Iranian Christians in the country of Iran, but we also seen a huge growth. Let us not get bogged down with the negative news that we hear 
in our media in the West about the, the, the challenges of the region, I want to urge our listeners to take a look at things through God's perspective that God is being glorified and the church is being built in these regions. Mike, we talk about the hardship and you talk about the sister in prison. That's hard. But you also talk about good things. God is doing mind-blowing things in Iran. Can you share some of the stories of the people who are coming to Christ? Yes, people from all different walks of life, different ages, from different uh, people group in Iran, they're contacting us. Um, It's very dangerous because they know that Iranian authorities and security are tracking them. Yet, despite this, there's this boldness of spirit for these people to just get on live shows and say, by the way, my name is so-and-so. I'm calling from this city. And if the security intelligence is listening to me, I want to let you know that I'm not afraid because in Jesus, I'm complete. And, and I want our American listeners to understand, this is like committing a felony on national television. And you're just saying, hey, here's my name. Here's where I live. And I'm a criminal now because I'm following Christ. That That's holy boldness. Absolutely. Uh, there was a gentleman that called us and, uh, you know, when you do become a Christian from Islamic family, uh, depending on uh, how religious your family is, are there secular Muslims, are there uh, zealots, there is uh, a, a lot of backlash, unfortunately. So a gentleman called us and he was he was debating, should I tell my mom and dad, my family that I've become a Christian? I'm afraid they may, you know, isolate me, even report me to the Iranian intelligence. And then uh, in one of the sessions when we were praying with him, he said, God just spoke to me. I'm not afraid. Jesus is not the Lord of fear. He's, he's the Lord of love and kindness and boldness, and I'm going to proclaim it. We had another couple uh, that had a child that was paralyzed, and um, they called us. They said, we had a dream that we had to call you guys and ask uh, to pray for us in the name of Jesus because we've taken our child to all these different uh, shrines, uh, Islamic shrines, and we have prayed for him. He's, he's, we haven't seen any change. But um, somebody told us that we needed to call you guys and have, have you guys pray in the name of Jesus. We said, well, let's pray in the name of Jesus. And we prayed for their son, and their son, right there as they were praying, started to move, uh, which was a miracle. Wow. Uh, that, that couple uh, right now, is, is uh, you know, following Jesus and their son is dedicated to Christ. You know, how do you not follow Jesus after you see that? It's like, how would you do anything other than follow Jesus? And what an amazing testimony for them. Every time they introduce someone to their child, they say, this is the child that Jesus healed. Would you like to know about Jesus who healed my child? Of course I want to know. You know, you can see how the church is growing so fast when you hear these stories and understand how passionate the people are to follow Christ. Mike, it's always fun to get to sit down with you. It's always amazing for me to celebrate what God is doing in Iran. And uh, we're so thankful for Heart for Iran and for Mohabad and for our partnership. Thanks for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you and God bless. I'd encourage you, if you're just now joining us, you can go to vomradio.net. You can listen to this entire conversation again. Also, Dr. Mike Ansari has been with us before on VOM Radio when he shared his personal testimony of coming to faith in Christ from an Islamic family in Iran. If you want to hear that conversation, just click on the search icon and type the word Ansari or type the word Iran. To do that, again, visit vomradio.net.
Next month, we'll be celebrating the five-year anniversary of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. And one of the things we're doing to celebrate is collecting stories from listeners like you. If you wouldn't mind, come to vomradio.net. Right at the bottom of the page, there's a place where you can send me a note. Just let me know what stories have impacted you, what places you're praying for now that you didn't pray for before hearing about them on VOM Radio or other ways that our programs and our conversations have inspired your faith in Christ. We would love to hear those as we head into September and the five-year birthday of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Come back next week. We're going to share one of the most amazing stories that we've shared on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Brent Teague was a missionary serving in Niger when he was attacked by Al-Qaeda-linked militants there. They shot him twice. They left him for dead. And then God did an amazing miracle. Brent's going to tell us about that next week. You will not want to miss Brent's amazing story of God's miraculous power. Be sure to join us again next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.